the government does whatever it wants. There's three tiers of justice. Mm-hmm. Police and prosecutors are allowed to break the law. There's mm-hmm. what's called qualified immunity, which is a court invented shield for their criminal activity. So they're allowed. Then rich people, if you're rich enough, you can pay. So Epstein mm-hmm. paid to get out of things. J.P. Morgan, oh, yeah. the owner of the Browns, Haslam, he paid the football team in Cleveland. He was trying to you pay and you make it go. The Sackler family just paid. We're going to pay money. So if you sold eight Oxycontin pills, you could go to jail for 10 years. But the mm-hmm. company that made 20 billion of them, they pay a fine and then they're excused from criminal activity. And then the third tier is the people the government goes after. So poor people or, you know, people that don't have massive resources to fight. So that's the three tiered system in America that, that we have. Within three years of release, two out of three ex offenders are rearrested. Clearly, something is broken. It's time we strategize ways to prevent repeat offenses. Our brainstorming session starts now. Welcome to A Prisoner's Party. The government does whatever it wants. Hello, everyone, and welcome to A Prisoner's Pardon podcast with me, your host, Michi J. We are in for a treat because we are going into our second part with Tony Viola. If you did not listen to our last episode, please stop here, go back, because you missed too much. You must listen to that first. This is incredible. We're, you shouldn't even be surprised, but it's still incredible to hear. Who needs Netflix when we have things like this going on right now? Let's jump right into it. They, they arrested me and they said, here, sign here and you can go. And I said, what? And they said, yeah, you have to promise to come to court in six weeks. So, I mean, that tells you that they knew the case was ridiculous. Oh, and also, if I stole $46 million from J.P. Morgan Chase, don't you think that they would have filed a lawsuit against me? I would think they would know by now. (laughs) I mean, if you don't make your car payment, they're calling you. Hey, Tony, you owe us $600. Can you send, you know, we need to collect it, you know, or you miss a credit card payment, they're calling, right? Mm -hmm. But I supposedly stole $46 million and nobody said anything. So the whole case was complete nonsense. And, you know, interestingly, the defense attorneys, they were not willing to, to, to fight back. They told me to say no comment. Let, me, I said, tell, let me tell you, they, I, they work together. <laughs> yes, they're all buddies. If you think court is fair, I got a bridge in Brooklyn I can sell you. I can get you a really good deal on it. Michi J, you might want to pick it up. And, and these defense, I had this lawyer named Jay Milano. And mm-hmm. I was put on trial twice. And at the second trial, he was actually helping the prosecutors because he didn't want me to be exonerated because he was supposedly this tough talking, crusading lawyer. And he was not the lawyers. None of them were willing to stand up in court and say, this is nonsense. This dude is a realtor. He did not steal forty six million dollars. They didn't they didn't do that. They have all these agreements and stipulations. And it's all this like chub, you know, country club style you know, friendly, you know, and mm-hmm. these prosecutors are trying to destroy my life. And I'm saying to the lawyers, how, why are you joking around with them? How is this? Do you find something amusing? Am I missing something here? Is there something whole, funny that I don't yeah, get? Yeah, your whole life so, is just torn apart. So They don't care. They're completely no. desensitized. They were having a ball at the trial, the federal trial, this judge Don Nugent and the prosecutor Bennett and the lawyers, Jay Milano, they're talking about what movies they're going to go see. Mm-hmm. And they're talking about the, well, let's have lunch. I mean, and, and, and they were having a ball and I'm sitting there with my, you know, freedom at stake. And I, I was um, between these two cases looking at 40 or 50 years 
in prison, but they were having a blast and thought it was just a, just a great day at the office. And mm-hmm. they left early. I, one of the trial days was St. Patrick's Day. Oh, we're going to leave early so we can go to the parade. I mean, they 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 looked at the trial as just sort of like this like little show trial that we have to get over, you know, just because this guy's a criminal. Because we know he's a criminal because we say so, because we're arrogant, we're prosecutors. And if we say he's a criminal, he's a criminal. We don't indict innocent people. Uh, so you hear all this nonsense about the rule of law and all this, but really what I found is that these characters, the prosecutors do what they want. More often than not, the judge is a former prosecutor. I mean, in Cleveland, the U.S. Attorney's Office is on the fourth floor, and then the judges, I think, start on like the 15th floor. So literally what's happened is these the judges are all former prosecutors, mm-hmm. and they and they pack up their desk, and then they go upstairs. Now, how is that fair? They eat lunch in the same building, they work together, and so, and I have a chance. No, I have no chance, but except when the whistleblower Dawn gave me the evidence that. So what me. about the, um, the jury? So they sort of handpick these juries or what, what happened with the jury? The juries tend to be upper middle-class people who respect law enforcement and the FBI. And they, at the time, maybe this is changing. I don't yeah, know. I know it's, it is changed. I hope so. <laughs> but the changed. jurors were giggling about how cute the FBI agent was and how their daughter should meet a guy like that. And, you know, basically, I would say I lost the first trial for, for a couple of main reasons. The main reason is the withholding of exculpatory evidence. Yeah. So- so my case is about real estate transactions. Mm-hmm. And the government said that the banks were duped by me. I tricked them into making loans that people weren't making down payments. That's what, and, and the people lied about how much money they had. That's what the case was. Mm-hmm. Well, nobody, uh, they didn't even know what businesses I owned, right? So they thought I was a mortgage person, even though I was a real estate person. But you can't win a case without the documents, right? Because the government witnesses and the one lady, Catherine Clover, was sleeping with the prosecutor of all things. Mm-hmm. So she said whatever they wanted them uh, to say, but you can't really cross-examine without documents. And the other thing about the documents is they were contemporaneous when these loans were actually submitted, which was five years before the trial. Who remembers what you signed and no. some loan, you know, five years ago, if you bought a house or a car, nobody remembers exactly what was on page 409. So so Dawn Pasella inside the prosecutor's office, she was the office manager for, for these two knuckleheads, Bennett and Caceres. She knew that they were hiding evidence that was relevant to the case. And she was a very intelligent person. She was very savvy. So she actually looked at the papers and was like, wait a minute, this proves these, these people are innocent. And so she actually started taking some of those documents that the government thought was either destroyed or shifted around that would be buried and we would never get. So the answer is, number one, when the bank came in at the first trial and said, oh, shucks, we don't make these kind of loans without a document to challenge that, that sort of stood. And the jurors thought, well, he must, you know, he must have done it. The the banks, they say there's fraud. He was involved. He must be guilty. So So the the bank was trying to say you had fraud, too. So what was that? In trial, they did. Yes, the banks were afraid. So the banks... I mean, today, I don't know if you heard it today, JP Morgan just paid $300 million to settle with the Epstein victims. I mean, banks pay fines. Banks engage in criminal behavior routinely and pay fines. So poor people go to jail. Jail is for, there's, there's, there's three tiers of justice. People like us. Right. There's three tiers of justice. Mm -hmm. Police and prosecutors are allowed to break the law. There's Mm -hmm. what's called qualified immunity, which is a court invented shield for their criminal activity. So they're allowed. Then rich people, if you're rich enough, you can pay. So Epstein paid to get out of things. JP Morgan oh, yeah. pays. Mm-hmm. The owner of the Browns, Haslam, he paid 
the football team in Cleveland, he was trying to you pay and you make it go. The uh, Sackler family just paid. We're going to pay money. So if you sold eight uh, Oxycontin pills, you could go to jail for 10 years. But the mm-hmm. company that made 20 billion of them, they pay a fine. Right. And then they're excused from criminal activity. And then the third tier is the people the government goes after. So poor Mm -hmm. people or, you know, people that don't have massive resources to fight. So that's the three tiered system in America that, that we have. Now for a quick commercial break. We are so excited to announce on sale now on Amazon is the long awaited book, A Prisoner's Pardon by C.C. Sky. By the way. That's my pen name. This book shows just how important a father is needed. It goes into detail how a father is needed in not just a family house, but also in the house of government and in the church house. What's happening is all three institutional houses are broken because of no father. The solution to this predicament for all three houses is God the Father. because. Only through his restoration can freedom be found. Go to Amazon. It's there. Now back to our show. So the answer is the banks played along with the government. And uh, actually, Dawn Pasella was in one of the meetings. And the bank guy had told the prosecutors, look, we kind of signed off on these loans. I don't really feel comfortable testifying. And the government insisted that he testify and threatened him. Interestingly, um, I supposedly stole all these millions of dollars that the government went on TV, indicted me, but they never actually interviewed these lenders until just like four weeks before the trial started. And that so, makes okay. yeah, yeah, starts with a conclusion and work backwards. Mm-hmm. And so normally you would start with a victim reporting a crime. My God, I was robbed or, you know, okay. Mm-hmm. Or a bank reporting, hey, some this guy stole millions of dollars. Here it was the reverse. These task forces that are commonly used by law enforcement are, are much more dangerous than people realize. They weaponize in it. Yeah, they're weaponized. Number one, it weaponizes it. Number two, we sh- it's like a shell game, okay, mm-hmm. with evidence. Oh, the state has it. Oh, the attorney general has it. No, the FBI has it. You have to ask the federal prosecutor. Mark Bennett has it. No, no, HUD inspector general, they're in the task force. You have to ask them. Oh, no, the local police department interviewed some witnesses. They have it. So what, what it is, it's designed for two things. It's designed for misconduct and a lack of accountability. So each department can say, well, shucks, Tony, you know, we we gave you the evidence. We Don't be mad at me. You, know, you have the, what, what you have in my case is what's called the friendly bureaucrat. Mm-hmm. Gosh, Tony, we didn't, we oh, didn't yeah. put you, we didn't put you in jail. <laughs> yeah. What do you want me to do? I, I, I've got, you know, I got my kid's soccer game later. I can't help you. Uh, we gave you what we were supposed to. So no, it's nobody's fault in the government. There's no accountability. In fact, failure is the way to get more money. So like the solution in Uvalde, Texas, when mm-hmm. all those kids were being massacred was we need better training, we need more money. January 6th, well, yeah, we we didn't listen to the intelligence that there was- That don't even people. make any sense to me. What we need more money. Mm-hmm. We need more training. That's the solution to law enforcement failure. More officers, <laughs> more training. In business, when you fail, you go out of business, right? If my product sucks, Okay, mm-hmm. uh, or the competition is better uh, mm-hmm. or makes a better product, and they when people go there and say, well, "I'm going to buy that." But in in government, failure is the route to additional resources, and we have this oh shucks, we yeah. tried and failed, and we can and we need more money. So anyway, the task forces are dangerous because it's an investigation looking for criminals, which is not what's supposed to happen in the country. It's not supposed to be 
show me the man and I'll show you the crime. It's supposed yeah. to be mm-hmm. when a crime is committed, it's investigated. So this is pretty scary. By the way, just to make a key point, the evidence that I used to be exonerated at my second trial uh, likely exonerates probably a thousand people and that prosecuted uh, were prosecuted by this task force. So hmm. my case is not like a DNA case or a one-off where, gee, Tony didn't do it. Maybe someone else mm-hmm. raped this lady or something. Um, it's actually a matter of many, many, many people mm-hmm. uh, likely being wrongfully convicted. And so what we're, what we're in an epic fight here with the government uh, to, to reopen all of these cases, particularly where the prosecutor was having a sexual, this Dan Caceres was having a sexual relationship oh. with Catherine Clover. And by the way, you can read the emails, they're on our website. The mm-hmm. stuff they put in writing is crazy. These are, you know, prosecutors are lawyers. And they put all this crazy stuff I, in writing about false testimony. I can't believe testimony. people still trust the government. I just can't. It's crazy. That. And they said I stole $46 million. We, before the first trial, we got a statement from one of these lenders that was in the case that supposedly I stole all this money from. And they said they didn't they didn't lose any money. And then we told Mark Bennett, hey, why are you saying I stole $46 million? Well, it doesn't matter if you have the money or not. You intended to <laughs> cause the loss. You can go to jail in America on oh, Google intended? it if you don't believe me. Intended loss. It's crazy. How so no matter you? what you said or did, it wouldn't matter. I didn't own the mortgage company. It doesn't matter. There was no losses. It doesn't matter. So anyway, Bennett, this guy never looked at the loan files because the supposedly people were lying about how much money they made. But when you actually looked at the documents, it said zero. Right. It says zero. I don't have any money. These banks were doing at the time something called Ninja, no income, no job, no asset loans. It says zero. Where is the criminal conspiracy? Hey, psst, let's let's scam the bank. Let's say you have no money. It's ridiculous. JP Morgan could say no. Chase Bank, these are huge banks. They could say no. So mm-hmm. I was accused of owning a mortgage company, which I didn't, owning a title company, which I didn't, stealing $46 million, which I can assure you I didn't. There was no bond. Nobody ever sued me over this. Uh, yet I supposedly stole $46 million. But the government, the, oh, the other thing that people should know, if you think court is fair, here's another thing. No, I don't. There's something called a motion in limine. Prosecutors file motions in limine. So a trial is not some freewheeling forum where you can present evidence. We were not allowed yeah. to introduce evidence that these banks were knowingly making all these zany loans. The government treated the bank as some like 99-year-old lady that I tricked her into spending $100,000 to have her house painted or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you can't say that the bank was aware of what was going on. You couldn't bring other information into the case about how they, tr- because like if mm-hmm. we are guilty of tricking banks into making no money down loans, they make millions of them. So mm-hmm. one of our arguments was, well, everybody in America has to go to jail if they bought a house, but you know, in the last 10 years, oh, you can't say that. So the, the whole thing was really a sham motion in limine, limiting what the defense is allowed to present in court. Mm-hmm. So it's very frightening how the government is able to start with a conclusion and work backwards. But again, this, this courageous young lady named Dawn Casella, who mm-hmm. was in law enforcement and wanted to go get the bad guys too, when she saw what was going on, mm-hmm. she became concerned that a lot of innocent people were going to jail and a lot of lives were being destroyed for nothing. For nothing, because we were realtors. What do you think is going to happen if you call a realtor? We're going to show you houses. Okay, I'm sorry to break the news to you. So they, um, so she was shocked by what was going on, and she was in some of the meetings, and she saw the mechanics of the misconduct. 
of what, how they were hiding evidence and relabeling computers to something else and saying they we didn't have the computers they seized in televised raids. And so she saw what was going on as an insider. Mm-hmm. And she said, this is, this is absolutely crazy. The second trial, she said a couple of things. I just want to give her props on this real quick. She said, there's no such thing as reasonable doubt. It mm-hmm. does not exist. You have to prove that you're innocent. So mm-hmm. first of all, we have to prove innocence. You can't just sit there and say, well, the government didn't meet it, its The burden. burden should be on them. It is, but the jurors don't think that way. Uh-huh. So the, the in, re, in, in, in theory, it's on the government. In mm-hmm. theory. But a juror sitting there with a big American flag in the background and some judge with, you know, perfectly coiffed gray hair up on, on the stage and some prosecutor in a Brooks Brothers suit mm-hmm. and all these detectives that are coming in looking earnest. Just the fact that you're there. Well, they, they, they figure, well, if it was BS, the judge would have thrown it out. I mean, that's what they think. They think the judges actually oversee the, the preliminaries in a case. The judges allow the prosecutor. They're all former prosecutors. They allow the prosecutors to kind of run the show. So um, the, you have one foot in the grave. It's sort of like starting a football game down 42 to nothing. I mean, you might win, but it's pretty darn hard. So the jurors particularly those who never had experience in the criminal justice system, they presume general fairness in the part of the system. And they, they don't assume the prosecutors are, I don't know, sleeping with the witness or lying, but that's in fact what they did. And so Mark Bennett wore a very nicely tailored suit mm-hmm. with a red tie and a pocket square that matched uh, and seemed like this bland guy, but he was, he was really, really engaged in massive wrongdoing. I mean, to know that a witness is lying and present it, is crazy. A lot of times the government will say, well, the defense cross-examined and the jury can decide. He actually puts it writing that he knows the witness is lying. And that's that's illegal for the government to present knowingly false testimony. You're not, you that's a due process that. violation. I, We're not yeah. supposed to put people yeah, in jail on testimony we know is false. Anyway, it's it's just epic because I wouldn't plead guilty. What these guys are willing to do, there was really nothing that was too far out of bounds for them to quote win the case. Wow. Uh, and they did this to a thousand people. It's not just like, oh, gee, Tony got screwed. A thousand people did. And so maybe, maybe we can make history by getting these prosecutors in trouble for what they did and having these cases reopened. It's never too late to do it's the right, right thing. I think it's, yeah, I agree with you. It's never too late because I've seen this, you know, in my own cases. Well, I wouldn't say a lot of cases, but one case, but I was like, I had to be woke up too. I'm like, you would assume that these people are legit in what they do because they're supposed to be the good guys. They're supposed to do the right thing and they don't follow the evidence. They don't, um, it's no such thing as, like you said, it's about winning the case. It's not about truth and um, they don't want to look back. So they have to double down. They have to double down and make sure that they win at any cost. I totally agree with you because I experienced it myself. So what do you think? I have some ideas. So what do you think we should do as citizens of the U.S.? Because this is this is really getting out of hand. It, it's been out of hand, but now they just they will put it in writing. Like you said, they'll write it down. They they don't care. So they don't what, care. What they do don't care. Do? I mean, I mean, having sex with a witness, I, I'm going to answer that. I'll tell you what I think. I don't know if it's right, but I'll tell you what I think. But I want to say having sex, Dan Caceres, having sex with a witness that he's presenting in front of grand juries and in criminal trials has got to be the most reckless act that a prosecutor could do. I mean, other than coming to court and shooting somebody, I guess, in front mm-hmm. of everybody. I mean, having a sexual relationship with a witness undermines any sense 
of fairness or justice or truth, okay? I mean, all these pompous Justice Department officials pontificating about the rule of law and all these judges, mm -hmm. and nobody does anything about it. This judge, mm -hmm. in my case, Don, Don Nugent, he's ignored it. He, I guess they find this amusing or something, but there's no, that's how bad it is. That a process, I mean, dude, go on, uh, go to a strip club or something if you're dying to cheat on your wife. Mm -hmm. By the way, Dan Caceres has run for office over and over again and has been elected locally, and mm -hmm. he lost the last one. Maybe we had something to do with it. Mm -hmm. uh, but he presents himself as this law and order family man. And he's 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 go, he's he's sleeping with witnesses. And by the way, in multiple cases, not just this one. Uh, so anyway, the, the the recklessness of it is all crazy. Let, let me tell you a couple thoughts, because that's a very profound question. And I certainly certainly don't have the answers. And I'd love other people to chime in mm -hmm. either on your, uh, you know, your websites or our websites or whatever. Give comments. Mm -hmm. But a couple things. One is politicians go where the votes are. Mm -hmm. Right. I mean, politicians want to get elected. So. If saying tough on crime, law and order, we need more police, we need more prosecutors, if that's politically popular and that wins elections, then that's what they're going to say. But the converse is also true. I mean, if saying we don't hate police, but there has to be accountability, let me tell you, there should be body cameras on these police in jail. If the public knew what was going on mm. in there, they wouldn't believe it. So, so, so one thing is on a big picture is voting for political candidates who demand that we hold law enforcement officials who break the law accountable. There should be a separate law in America that if you are in law enforcement and you alter or subvert evidence in a criminal case, congratulations, that's a 50-year felony. You lose your pension, you lose everything, and go sit in a jail cell and see how you like it. If we prosecuted law enforcement officials who break the law, okay? And I'm not just talking about bad police because we're starting to prosecute them, which is good, okay? Mm -hmm. uh, the Derek Chauvins of the world that murdered uh, George Floyd. But if we start going into these prosecutor's offices and, and lay down the law and say, look it, this, is non this nonsense is over. You're gonna lose your pension and your freedom. Altering or hiding evidence in a criminal case, someone's exonerated, gets out of jail, it's almost always misconduct. That should be a special felony with a lot of years and law enforcement should be held to a higher standard because they're the ones who were sworn to uphold the constitution and they're acting what's called under color of law with the authority of the state. I was a realtor. I have no authority to tell you to do anything, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. If I come to your apartment or your house and start ordering you around, you'd be like, Tony, get out of here. <laughs> but if I'm a policeman mm -hmm. or a prosecutor and I start telling you to do things, I'm clothed with the authority of the nation. When that indictment says United States of America versus Tony Viola, that's what that means. That means the United States of America will use and did, in my case, all of its power to destroy me, to crush me, to mm -hmm. defeat me. So um, one thing is this this overall law and order being politically popular. If that ends, that would be fantastic mm -hmm. if we can get bipartisan consensus in America. So a, a lot of folks on the political on the right side, they say, well, we don't trust the government, but they seem to give deference to law enforcement. Maybe we could have more skepticism there. On the left, same thing. I mean, we've got mm -hmm. we've got to get a national consensus mm -hmm. in the country because that's what when you have changed, it's permanent. If, if one political party wants to do it and the other party doesn't agree, then someone else could be come to office and undo it. Change comes with national consensus, like gay marriage is a good example. You know, if you go back 50 years ago, it's something like 10 or 15% of the public was in favor. Now, people basically could care less and say, what? not everybody, but I'm just saying overwhelmingly, the 
the uh, feelings of the country have shifted. That is something that could happen also with this law enforcement community. On a smaller level, this thing called qualified immunity has got to go. This idea hmm. that, um, well, we don't want to sue uh, law enforcement because they'd be afraid to do their job. That's the point. They need to be accountable. And you see people exonerated and walking out of jails and some dude was in jail for 40 years or 30 years or 20 years. It's almost always prosecutorial misconduct. It's almost always mm -hmm. suppression of exculpatory evidence mm -hmm. or use of an unreliable informant, mm -hmm. perjured testimony, mm -hmm. uh, suppression of DNA or document evidence. So, I mean, it's it, the, the causes of this man-made catastrophe are clear. And so the question is, do we believe, do we believe the old saying of Dr. Martin Luther King. He said, injustice anywhere mm -hmm. is a threat to justice everywhere. Mm -hmm. So, so yes, on one is. hand, if we, if we all thought like that, mm -hmm. that the, what happened to me isn't about Tony, it's about right. everybody. Because if it's they did it to me, they could do it to you. Exactly. And they could do it to the next hundred people driving down the street. People should or, be afraid hearing this story. Right. Or we could think like, well, that's not likely to happen to me. It's sort of like watching a tornado on television and some guy's house gets destroyed and you say, gee, that's a shame, but that's yeah. not going to happen to me. So in America, a lot of times there's, and by the way, I was guilty of this, of yeah, complacency. We all, were. we all are. I was complacent. Everybody was. Yeah. I'm guilty. Anyone who's advocating for criminal justice who hasn't been in jail is a better person than I am. Because mm -hmm. I was running around having pancakes, figuring out how to sell apartment buildings and don't play with real me. estate. <laughs> <Toy pancakes. laughs> wasn't thinking about this <laughs> At all. Okay. Mm -hmm. At all. And I'm supposedly I'm Catholic. I was raised this way. We're supposed to help prisoners. I never did it. I was, I, I never worried about it. Then when it happened to me, I wanted other people to care. All of a sudden I wanted people like you to put me on the show and interview mm -hmm. me and talk about my case. So that's the question. Can we switch from, gee, I'm busy. My kids are late for soccer practice, Tony. I don't have time to listen to this. Um, can we switch from that to the idea that injustice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere? And the other thing, too, is a lot of pro-law enforcement people are now even coming around to the idea that if we don't clean this up, mm -hmm. the public's confidence uh, in the government is just completely zero. I mean, nobody knows when they come out and charge somebody, go look at the comments on like people get and they say, who knows what to believe or the government's lying. They frame so many people. There's so many innocent people in prison that got out exonerated. So nobody even knows what to believe anymore. So these wrongful convictions and the number of exonerations and the stories about the misconduct over time have this corrosive effect where mm -hmm. more and more people just don't buy what the government is saying. So this idea of the rule of law mm -hmm. is some nice textbook thing, but it doesn't actually apply in real life because when a person is actually charged criminally, mm -hmm. th the government does whatever it wants. That was part two. And boy, was that packed with information. King said, if there's injustice anywhere, it's a threat to justice everywhere. We really need to do something. Don't miss the next show. We have more to come. In the meantime, you can go to freetonyviola.com. I'll have it in the show notes. And you can look at his evidence locker and all the press releases about this case. It's plenty to see, so be prepared to read. But 
be prepared to listen in next week and you can hear way more from Tony. Amazing stuff, guys. Amazing stuff. Tune in next week. God bless and have a week filled with blessings. Thanks for tuning in to the show. For more information on our guests and resources, visit prisonersparting.com. If you're enjoying the content, follow, like, and subscribe to this podcast. Also, please be sure to leave a rating and review. Until next time, God bless.